0: may be seated. We are a church family and often that word is so used, overused, the word family that maybe it uh, loses some of its impact. But on a day like today, uh, the family is... Strong, and the family is real. <laughs> I'm not supposed to do it this way, but I've been reflecting as the team led us in worship today that our, our sweet Sylvie, who went to be with the Lord yesterday, and as we stand with Joe today and we begin a journey that we know is a journey through loss. I don't mind just telling you that this family of God in this place has been incredibly enriched by Sylvia Gorman. And um, to each of you, our friends in Facebook Live and some of, many of you have been praying for Sylvia too. Thank you, Sonny in Mississippi walks with us by faith and prayer. Our friends in Arizona, Austin and Christina walk with us in prayer and others that join us in Facebook Live. And I want to say to all of you and our guests, are those new to this church family, that uh, I can't put it into words like I want to. But I remember something that... um. Yesterday, a beloved sweet friend, Sylvia Gorman, went into the presence of her Savior at 7.15 a.m. And, uh, and when um, I thought about some of this, because as we reflect on it, I don't mind just telling you, we're going to take a few minutes today to say, thank you to the Lord for Sylvia. And uh, I got to thinking about it a little bit. And I remember something that Dr. Chuck Swindoll has said many times. It's, it's a truism. I call it a Swindollism. And it is that um, a shared joy is twice the joy, and a shared sorrow is half the sorrow. Now, I don't know that we can do it exactly 50%, Joe, <laughs> half and half. But if, if we could at least ha- half cut in half Joe's sorrow. I don't think we can, but but we'll do our best because Joe and Sylvia Gorman, um, for at least twenty-two years since the Lord brought them into our lives, have loved you, loved us, loved the Lord. And uh, Sylvia is one of those people, and I say is, because our her, her joy in the presence of our Savior at this moment is absolutely indescribable. And it puts my tears to shame. Sylvia's reward, entry into the presence of her Lord. My dear friend Joe and Sylvia, uh, I felt it here a minute ago like I felt it a few months ago with Nancy, and that was, how could I even begin <laughs> to do justice to what these people have wrapped around? And so uh, I want to say, and I'll be okay in a minute. I know it sounds weird, but I want to say that that this lady This lady, truly a lady, this lady uh, walked out the command of Jesus in John 13 when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, and he said, "If, If I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, then you must wash one another's feet. And of course, we know the equivalent of foot washing. People forget this, but foot washing was a common, mundane, almost daily need in that culture. And what is striking about it is not the ceremonial aspect of it, which is it's okay to observe that, but what was striking about the Lord's words in John 13 was that he was taking one of the most menial of tasks and elevating it by a heart of servanthood for the glory of his father. And that's only one little piece of the the story of Sylvia Gorman, but that would be one piece, that she lovingly honored her Savior in so many ways by coming alongside a pastor and his wife, a congregation, friends, loved ones, the rabbit at Carroll Hospital Center, uh, the realtors as the president of the board of realtors of Carroll County, for a number of years. When I was a realtor for a brief spate in my bivocational uh endeavor, I, I would call Sylvia when I had a real estate question. I said, Sylvia, now what do I where do I go with this now? And Sylvia was my go-to in that little brief stint of my realtor time, and many other things we could say. But what I want to say before I we dismiss our classes and 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 share this time, first that Sylvia and Joe have walked together as a as a couple um, with such a heart for God and their 58 and a half year, almost 59 year journey since the Lord put them together, 4th of July of 1963. Um, and that story is a one fun and wonderful one to hear as well. But um, today we honor them and we honor her and we thank God that we have no the tears. Are are negligible, because the joy is indescribable, and the fullness of glory for a received child of God walking as as we were by her bedside the other night. I could just about started singing that Gaither song to her, Gentle Shepherd, come and lead us, for we need you to help us find our way. And I could just picture the Lord's arms as his as the shepherd just gathering his lamb and taking Sylvia into his glory. So, we can't do it justice, I know that, but I needed you to know today that we love this lady, and we love this guy more than we can say, and what Joe and Sylvia have invested in this church is is is, a, is is like to me to me. What Joe and Sylvia Gorman have inge- invested is like that alabaster flask of that woman that came to Jesus and broke that flask and the fragrance. <laughs> Really did the fragrance filled filled the house the fragrance of that kind of love really filled our lives and um i'd like you to read in your Bible, open your Bible to Philippians one we finished a series last week about the 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 endurance, the resilient power, of the joy of the Lord in so many in all the Crevices and challenges of life, and I'm struck by uh, Philippians one verse six and then verse nineteen to twenty one. That of many tributes that are would be honorable for Sylvia Gorman. I think one that we could certainly take home in our heart today would be Philippians one six, because this is what we know has happened already. As as um, Joe and David and Don and then wonderful, wonderful friends. <laughs> Like Jody and Debbie and Mel and some others, have just walked alongside Sylvia every step of this way. Jody, we love you, <laughs> thank you. Philippians 1:6 and I am sure of this: that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We can be sure that God's gracious work came to completion before 7.15 a.m. yesterday when she went in the twinkling of an eye into the presence of Jesus. And then the the other part here is, go down into that section if you have your Bible in Philippians 1, verse 19 and uh, 19 through 21. Uh, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. No one I've ever known trusted Jesus more wholeheartedly and single mindedly than Sylvia did many, many conversations I remember standing with Sylvia when I first got to know Sylvia who was walking alongside her, tending to your father's wife, Shirley, in those days. That's where we started getting to know each other and i and I remember how tenderly and graciously and consistently Sylvia ministered to her in her hospice and now she she's been blessed by that but we are grateful for the spirit of the lord in her that empowered that empowered her and then verse 20 and 21 this is so it is so powerful don't you love this i hope you have your bible open this is the um esv that i'm reading as it is my eager expectation and hope that i will not be at all ashamed but that, with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. <laughs> Amen. Becky, come up and pray for us. Uh, and uh, I don't want to make you come up right now. So, Joe, could Jody, Jody, and Mel, could you just stand up with Joe for a minute? We just—I'm going to ask you just to pray. Pray for Joe right now, honey. Thank you. Yes. Amen. So that, you know yes yes so Lord. Brothers and sisters, would you say, "Amen"? Amen. Thank you, and thank to each to each of you. Praise God. We love you all. Uh, it's to me, it's kind of priceless to share some time together uh, that we that we do unto the Lord. Well, today our kids' class is always so good. Each of them, Explorers and Pathfinders, and we are going to make their transition now, so they'll be going to their classes. And thanks to all the teachers again, and all your prep. And uh, and then I need. Uh, um, Brother David, would you come up? I need somebody to pass out a, a few things here, something. This is, um, I'm going to transition fairly quickly. I don't want to be abrupt, but mainly for the sake of time, because I I want to uh, have this in a good time frame for you today. Um, today, and welcome each of you in Facebook Live and all of you sharing, if you would open your Bibles together um, with me to Matthew 6. Now today, this is going to be a very different kind of Session today, so I want to give you something that will help it be a take home (laughs) because um, a topic that doesn't get treated often in sermons, uh, it's what I consider as I reflect on the truth of fasting and prayer that fasting and prayer is one of those aspects of the Christian life that best could be understood. As a grace empowered opportunity to tap into a quality time of solitude with God, okay. And one of the reasons I'm sharing it, and you'll you can anticipate a lot by looking at the handout sheet, but I'm going to be covering a lot of this uh, rather um, rapidly uh, with the with the um, understanding to give you something that I think is very significant in helping us to know how something could be real for us that we that sometimes for Christians feels out of reach. And and now, even as we transition to this, and I ask you to open Matthew 6, because we'll get to that one. You're going to be seeing a number of verses, and there were so many of them that I put them in the sheet, because some people may, we won't take too long on this, we'll just use our regular allotted time but some people might want to dig into this. You may want to go and look up these many of these scriptures. And, and um, I pray that it could give a perspective that could be very helpful in something we cherish here at Liberty Church, and that is equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And work of ministry there, of course, doesn't mean some professionalism. It means the serving of every child of God, the, the using of our gifts for the glory of God. And, and so when we look at... Um, the topic of fasting and prayer, one of the things I've noticed is that um, there's kind of two extremes on this. One is that some people um, really um, attempt uh, some element of fasting in their life, and, and they may become very, uh, one of the things that happens in some cases is people become a little bit ascetic. I actually went through that phase as a young believer, so I, I speaketh from experience, because I got way, way overly focused on trying to fast a lot in a particular time, my early walk with God, and it got me, um, and, and it, it produced a wrong kind of guilt. I felt guilty when I was eating, which is bad. I, I know that sounds crazy. I don't think I had anorexia or something like that, but it was a, it was a spiritual version of it, maybe, uh, something like that. And I began to realize, okay, this is not what this is about. And, and anything people, whether it's tithes and offerings or giving or whether it's uh, witnessing or anything, can be turned into a legalism. So we have to avoid that, obviously. But here's the problem, here's the problem. The opposite problem is usually more common in the Christian life, and that is people just kind of avoid fasting, (laughs) because for one thing, nobody likes to fast, right? I mean, let's just be honest, nobody likes to be hungry. And so there's a tendency sometimes, I think, for people to just kind of avoid an uncomfortable topic. So what I want to hope to do with you today is I want to talk to you about a focus, uh, faith-filled focus for a fast. And, and right off the top, re- remember, this could be any kind of fast. It could be a variety of types of fasting, not necessarily a complete abstaining from food, although that's the primary thing we think of as, as a, a fast. And uh, even with that, you can, there, there can be variations of water, juice, clear liquids, or some version of that. Some people drink hot tea on their fast. So there's a lot of different ways you might approach uh, the topic of a fast. But what I want to do today is to start, and I was struck as I was, you know, coping with um, this um, this heart rending sorrow this morning, and I, and I didn't know this when I was putting this together. Uh, this is a verse we haven't read in a long time. But Joel chapter two verse thirteen says, "Rend your hearts, and not your garments." I want to start here in the book of Joel. Now you keep your Bible open, Matthew. We'll get to it. But I want to start in the book of Joel because. In the book of Joel, we have a we have a kind of a window into the reason that any Christian might think about fasting. And I want to start very basic here today. I want it to be something that I hope everybody could just think about. Okay, would I consider a fasting? And if I did, maybe a day, uh, part of a day doesn't have to. Don't think of it in terms of how long it has to be. It's the heart of a fast. It's the heart of offering to God something. I like what Justin said earlier that, you know, praise is something that we can offer to God that, that we uniquely have, all of us have it, and we give it to God freely. Well, a fast would be the same way. Whether it was two meals or a day or three days or something like that or a, carefully planned. If you go any longer than that, you need to really plan out the, the liquid uh, intake and so forth. But the point I'm making is, even when we fast for a medical reason, we have to go get a procedure, and they say fast from the night before or whatever. Well, even that's not easy. How many of you know that? A lot of people schedule, come on, fast up. how many of you schedule an appointment in the morning hours when you have to go get your blood because you don't want to fast? So, so, so here's what I'd like you to do. Be lighthearted about this. This is fun to talk about if we understand the purpose. Now, start out, though, on a sad note. And we're going to start on a sad note. Here it is in the book of Joel. And the reason is, in in looking at at global crises, and I was thinking as I was reflecting this week, that uh, our hearts are literally just being shattered in a thousand pieces if we're looking at anything in the news right now about the the harsh and unbelievable heartache spreading across the country of Ukraine and the fear that must be striking other neighboring countries in Eastern Europe. So. But yet, we can't, how many of you know, we can't live in a world of sorrow all the time. We can't, you know, we're not wired by God to be just drowning in, in heartache. Amen? And that's why we talked last month about the joy of the Lord, what it really means. So in fasting, it's like Joel 2 gives us a window into this. God says, rend your hearts, not your garments. Now, what does he mean by rend your hearts? It's an old-fashioned language. Tear your own heart. And why say, well, why would I want to do that? Well, what it's actually saying in Joel chapter 2 is that all of us can have a part in being a people of prayer, and yet we all know, none of us really know how to best express ourselves. Is that not true? And you come up against, you're watching the news, you're looking at horrible things happening to people that you you know if you had some way to help them you would do it but you feel absolutely helpless am i shouting to the right crowd today so and when you do that Joel God's word in Joel 2:13 gives us an amazing prescription it says yeah you can just tear your heart in the presence of God through prayer and when you add the element of fasting To that, whether a partial or complete fast, you have an opportunity to say, I'm going to give up this food for this period of time. I'm going to feel hungry. I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm not going to like this. My flesh is not going to like this. But while I'm doing this for the glory of God, I'm trusting that God might use this time I would have at the table or preparing my meal or going to a restaurant or whatever it may be. I'm going to take that same allotted time and devote it to just putting everything aside to say, Lord, I want to lift these people up. there are on my heart. Okay, that would be a starting point. So read it with me aloud. Even now declares the Lord. Would you read it with me? Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart and not your garments return to the lord your god for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love so on your handout sheet my first thing is a real fast is to devote a specific time period for fasting and prayer and again bear in mind everybody's circumstances are unique there's something you can do even if you have a medical condition where you can't uh, actually it wouldn't be healthy for you to actually abstain from solid foods or from all foods, you can make a modification of that. And remember, the goal is not legalism. The goal isn't to some prove something. The goal is to offer God something that only you can give him. So I, like, I put a note here. The note, a common Jewish method was from sundown to sundown. That's the fill in the blank. From sundown to sundown. That's a really good basic pattern. Uh, one way to start a fast, to do a fast, if you if you think you can handle a 24-hour period, uh, to start with, many people can do more than that. I realize that, but I, it's it's important that this is kept within grasp of every child of God. Secondly, determine the spiritual purpose for your fast. Now, here I want to bring in very quickly, and and again, I'm gonna we'll walk through these uh, fill in the blanks uh, fairly briskly, but but I want to also put here before you something that is relevant to all of us praying for your goals in this year. Isaiah 45, 19 is where God says, Behold, I do a new thing, and I will make a way in the wilderness and provide streams in the desert. Let's apply that to our lives following Jesus Christ. Some of you get in a spot where you find yourself in a zone you've never been in before, you feel a lack of motivation, you don't know how to move out, and God is saying through Isaiah Isaiah 45, 19, if you will trust me, I will make a way in what looks like a wilderness, and I will provide streams in the desert, and I would bring before God As a way of applying this wonderful promise, these three prayers, and would you join me with them? One is, open my heart. Would you pray that with me? Open my heart. Second prayer is, would you pray it with me? Enlarge my vision. And then the third prayer that gets very personal, Knowing our good shepherd, just like he took one of his sheep into eternity yesterday. But until we meet the Lord in glory, he guides us. And so this third prayer, would you pray with me? Direct my steps. So with that in mind, you might go into a a time of fasting uh, with any number of purposes. But the seven I've put on your sheet here are a starting point. So let's go to Matthew 6. And you can find it now in your Bible. Matthew 6.16, where Jesus speaks about fasting in a manner that brings it into the regular category of a Christian experience. So in Matthew 6, where he talks about three different topics before he gets to the topic of worry and anxiety in verse 25, Jesus talks about prayer. When you pray... Simply, knock and it will be opened unto you. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. So in very terse and and, uh, very brief statements, Jesus helps us realize our Heavenly Father wants us to do what what we just prayed there from Isaiah. And that is, he wants for us to actively be asking, knocking, seeking, ask, knock seek. When we do this, we realize that all of us are engaged in a process that God blesses, God honors, God has outlined it for us. Do this. I like to say it this way, you can do this. (laughs) Because sometimes we feel when we get on the topic of prayer, there's, there's not a child of God who's honest in the house today that wouldn't have to say, I don't feel as adequate as I should be in prayer. And you know what I'm going to tell you today? I've got great, great news for you. That is a wonderful thing for us to say. You know why? Because anybody who thinks they got prayer down is, as my mom used to say, cruising for a bruising, <laughs> aching for a bruising. It's time to get it in our hearts. Jesus is inviting us. Now, in Matthew 6, verse um, 16, he says, he says When not if could you say when not if he says when you fast jesus anticipates a common a common characteristic of human beings is that if they're uncomfortable they kind of like everybody to know it if they if they um, and if if they're doing something for god there's something, there's a weird, isn't it weird? There's something weird in the human heart that kind of want people to know what we're doing for God. <laughs> right? And you see the accent from verse 1 all the way through verse 16 that Jesus is saying, do these things in secret your heavenly Father sees. Does, that's a theme of Matthew 6, isn't it? Do it in secret. Go. Don't Now, he's, some people, by the way, up in the prayer section, they've taken it out of context and said that he's not endorsing public prayer. Jesus wasn't saying you can't pray in public. He was saying your motive should be not to be seen of men. He wasn't, in any stretch of the imagination, uh, uh, limiting prayer to the prayer closet by no stretch. No, he was simply saying it's the motive, and the same is in fasting. So he says, when you fast, he says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, (laughs) for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. (laughs) But when you fast... You see it in your Bible? Anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be seen by, not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? It's all of grace. Every step we take in the Christian life is through the grace of God. It's all unmerited favor, isn't it? But Jesus spoke directly to the fact that believers need to know God smiles on this, there's something about this that he calls a reward. Look at Matthew 6, verse 18. Read it aloud with me. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So I just picked that's the first of seven uh, potential reasons, and that would just be devotional. I just want some devotional, quiet time with God and that can be a very significant reason. There's no other reason I'm just going to fast. Maybe I'm going to fast for two meals or I'm going to fast for two days or I'm going to fast for three days or I'm going to fast for one meal. But it's, I'm just putting this aside to say, Lord, it's a time. I just want some time with you. Now, the second reason is reflective. I think of it as both emotional, spiritual, and uh, mental. And I think it's beautiful to see, see this. That Anna is a great example of this. Anna in Luke chapter two was a lady who had been widowed as a young woman. She married young, but then her her husband died. We don't know what what caused, but she was a widow. And the scripture says that when Jesus, when Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, that Simeon was there. This this uh, aged seer. Prophetic voice, and then Anna, an intercessor, and and the distinctive thing about the story of Anna in the Bible is one thing: she devoted herself. It says to prayer and fasting. She just that was her ministry unto the Lord. Have you ever known some of these sweet saints that their their ministry is to be alone with God and intercede for others in prayer? Well, that's but in I think in Anna's case, there's an accent on the temple, and I I've always believed that Anna. Um, text doesn't say this. I think it's just implied. Anna's passion was something's coming. God is doing something. I want to be in these temple courts. It might have been as still and cold and 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 feel as lifeless a, a, as, as just walking through a concrete building. But she, in her heart, she gravitated to the promises God had given Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she knew that one day a promised one was coming. I believe that Anna had anticipation. She may not have been able to explain it, but she was fasting and praying, saying, God, I can imagine she in some of her walking through those temple courts. And of course, here's a woman. She couldn't even go into those sacred parts. She was just in the in the court of the women. That's all she could do. And yet, and I love this because Anna didn't take being excluded as making her some kind of an outcast. She just took any opportunity she had to go into those temple courts and to pray. And she, when she fasted, no doubt she was just kind of offering her heart to the Lord as a as a reflective offering. And then a third thing, obviously, a third reason, letter C on your outline, is inspiring inquiring of God for guidance. So maybe a very obvious reason for a fast would be Second Chronicles chapter twenty, where the Bible tells us of King Jehoshaphat that when uh, little tiny Judah was surrounded by armies. And it was an overwhelming force against them. Just as our brothers and sisters in Christ today in Ukraine, it's a very analogous situation. And Jehoshaphat called for fasting and prayer and devoted his own heart for guidance from God. And then letter D, intercessory prayer. Obviously, Daniel's a classic example of this. So uh, Daniel praying, fasting and praying. And again, I think similar to Anna. You know, we we know Daniel had so much um, high-level intelligence in his in the dreams and interpretations God gave him. But we, ne- we should never forget that there Daniel was just like us and that there's a lot of stuff he didn't know that he wished he could know. When he started fasting and praying, he was praying about the captivity of, of the Israelites. He was praying about the long-term captivity in Babylon. And, and he didn't know the outcome. But in fasting and prayer, Daniel was I- identifying with the people of God and he was interceding with those that he wanted to see blessed by God. And that connects to this next one, which is a kind of an identification with unseen needs. I think it, of it in terms of Esther. When, when Mordecai took Esther aside and said, um, and said, If you stay silent, if you stay silent, God will see to it that deliverance comes from another place. But what we know, in the odd circumstances of how Esther became a part of that emperor's harem, Mordecai was saying you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so Esther began called her her um, bridesmaids or equivalent of bridesmaids her uh, attendants said please come and let us abstain from food and go to my God for answers and clearly she could not have known any even a fragment of what she would have wanted to know but she just devoted herself to fasting and prayer because in her heart she identified with her uncle Mordecai's explanation of this wonderful people, this chosen people of whom she was a part. And so in some ways we might do this again when we think about the church today. Could you say, let me ask a very quick parenthetical question. How many of you hear people complain about churches? Do you ever hear any complaints about churches? And when you do, you know, don't you, that lots of people have gripes about the church. But let me ask you something else. What did Jesus, how did Jesus describe the church, the body of Christ? Well, he said in Matthew 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And in Acts 20, verse 28, he said, leaders should not, Shun to declare the whole counsel of God because you should take heed to yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Now, I can tell you, I consider it an honor to serve the blood-bought, redeemed people of God. And I can tell you that congregational life is close to, to the heart of God. And I can tell you that Jesus loves his bride and that the bride of Christ needs intercessors and people who will pray and people who will identify with God's purpose in the church, no matter how many humans have brought hurt to the church. We know that's real. We're not denying the hardships. We're not denying, but I'm telling you, When people start tearing down the church of God, they are walking on very thin ice with God. He loves these congregations. He loves the ecclesia. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives. God loves the church so much that he uses it as the key way to inspire men to love their wives the way they should. Isn't that amazing? He puts marriage and church on this very high elevated plane. And he says, husbands, love your wives. And a guy says, well, okay, I'm trying, God. You know, well, how should I do that? And the Lord says, even as Christ, say it with me, loved the church. Would you say those three words? Loved the church. Now, fasting and prayer would be a way to identify with the people of God. God, I'm just going to fast. I just want to pray for the church today. Church Churches, my church, certainly. Start here, my church. But the church, God's redeemed people around the world. Oh my, I could go a long time on that. Number 6, dedicating a new course of action. This is a good reason for a fast? Again, a brief fast or a longer fast? In Ezra chapter 8, Ezra is leading the people of God in an incredible odyssey. And in the midst of that, he realizes, I don't want I don't want secular kings, I don't want a pagan king to feel like it we're all that we need has come because he's just been good to this group of religious travelers. And Ezra says, God, we, we know that you have called us to go back to Jerusalem. And he calls a fast at the beginning of their journey to dedicate their journey to God, trusting that God will bless them in that new endeavor. And the same thing happens in Acts chapter 13, where the apostles at the church of Antioch realized for many reasons that God was going to take key leaders that were growing among the people there and use them to, to fulfill the words of Jesus, to take the gospel to the world. And in Acts 13, would you read it with me? When they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. They were, they were initiating a new course of action. And then, of course, maybe the most, uh, we might have started with this, but there's a divinely ordained fast. Now, there are only three examples in the Bible that fit the category of number letter G on your list that I put there, but but they are Moses, Elijah, and Jesus Himself. Now these were long extended fasts, forty days and forty nights, and of course in the case of Moses, it was without food or water. <laughs> Some something, something powerful is going on right there, Amen. <laughs> um, not even a stop for a you know for a uh, for a bag of French fries on the fly there. This guy, fasting and prayer for 40 days. So clearly, divinely ordained. But what they show us is that God used it as a, as a kind of a, you might say, a set piece in the law, the prophets, and the gospel to show that God was sanctifying this era through the fasting of Moses, the fasting of Elijah, the fasting of Jesus. Now, um, we might say, okay, well, getting started, and a few things on this list that you can take home. Number three on your sheet is drink a lot of liquid Either water only or clear juices. So you're getting some time to fast. Decide how you're going to do it, but uh, you can do it either way. Either water or clear juices. Number four, don't set unrealistic expectations for a fast. I think I've already touched on that, but a scripture that I think is relevant to that is, um, is, the, uh, is a verse in um, Zechariah where Zechariah uh, mentions the... Um, the fact that the people of that day had some planned fast, but he he began to speak to them about the fact that their motive for the fast was to kind of make it was all about themselves. They were fasting to kind of prove something to God, and they were missing the purpose of the fast. And in Zechariah 7, a very obscure passage in the prophets, God says, when you fast, it's to remind you that you don't belong to yourself. You belong to me. You know, it's a very simple thing when you realize if you get really, really hungry, how many of you just love to be so hungry you can't stand it? How many of you just love that? No, you don't. So when you're real hungry, you're, we're reminded, just like sleep reminds us how dependent we are on God. Have you ever waked up one time somewhere and did, couldn't remember where you were? You, you wake up and you wait, wait, where am I right now? Well, you know what that means is about 30 minutes before that, you were useless. You were basically useless. And and God gives us sleep to illustrate to us how much we need him every day. Well, a fasted meal would be a way to remind ourselves. Those hunger pains remind us, man, I need God a lot more than I even realized. So so, uh, God was saying in Zechariah chapter 7, remember that when you fast, it's for me, and when you eat, it's for me. That's what you need to know from that. And so I think a bit like this, if you go further to number 5, this brings us to what practical thing we can do to get ready, and that is to delete and delight. Now, now the the, the first thing I re- see for the reason for this is that fast gives us the opportunity to savor the simplicity of solitude. and in in um, in psalm thirty five nine, David spoke of fasting when he was concerned about a friend, And then he said, in verse nine, "I do it just to remind myself that every day, I'm rejoicing in God's goodness. Isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? But we all know that in our culture, distractions are a big part of our life. We're living with distractions all the time. So another element of fasting, aside from the food or the lack of food and the choices we make, would be delete distractions. And that's the fill in the blank there on number five. Delete distractions as much as possible so you can delight yourself in the Lord. So maybe it's a half a day, or it's a whole day, or it's three days. But make a time that you say during my fast, I'm putting this tablet aside, I'm I'm putting my cell phone aside, I'm putting in a message, an auto reply that says, I'm not available. I'm I'm you know don't say what we're doing. I'm just not available. And uh, and you and you get that opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to reserve this time to God. Well, number six, I've pretty much completed all that for you to give you some resources to think about. The fill in the blank there is the word receive, because I think it's important, design your own way of treasuring or retaining what you receive from God. I'll assure you of this, you'll receive from God. My experience has been a lot of times I don't feel like I'm getting anything during the fast. This is my experience. I'm not really getting anything, I'm fasting. I'm, you know, I'm drinking water, I'm drinking juice or whatever it is. I'm getting through this day or these three days. But after the fast, it's interesting. I've often, a day or two after the fast, things start popping. Now, that's just me. I'm just an individual. But then look at at some of the things we see in Scripture, I think, are are really illustrative of that. And that is that uh, uh, the Bible says about Mary, the mother of Jesus, it says that she... um, she treasured these things in her heart. And uh, it's, it's notable that you can design a way to treasure what you receive from God. For some of you, you want a journal. For other people, it might be to, uh, to um, sit down and put down your thoughts in one long expression of what you've gone through. Somebody else may not want to write it all. They may just want to walk and think. They may want to walk in the woods. They may want to take pictures of something. There could be many different things. An artist uh could be artistically expressing something the Lord puts in her heart. A musician might be writing a song. Uh, you know, Josiah might be out there on a rock there, just uh being a being a David, the song, sweet psalmist of Israel, writing his song. You know, there could be many different things. But what I love about this phrase in Luke chapter two it says, it says, she, Mary, persistently guarded all these things. Isn't that beautiful? And so number seven on your sheet is declare your focus, that's the fill in the blank, declare your focus for the fast in light of the biblical principles that it's great by grace we are saved. Could you read that text with me? It is by grace we are saved, and that not of ourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So my focus in the fast, I'm not, I'm not making myself holy. Fasting doesn't make you holy. It might make you irritable. And that's not holy. <laughs> but fasting doesn't make you holy. It doesn't add to your, your merit before God. It's simply an offering. Okay? And so I, I complete it kind of with a prayer to kind of personalize this. And, and that prayer would be um, here on the sheet. And maybe we'll just pray it together. And then you could put the blanks in the, uh, the, word, uh, the word I offer. I'm going to put the word the day or the days. I offer Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, uh, as a time to fast, or I offer um, these days, if it's more than one day. So let's read it together. Lord, thank you for all I have received through the grace of God. Now, by faith in your empowering grace, I offer this day as a time to fast, substituting mealtimes for extra prayer for the following needs. And then you can put anything you, is on your heart there in those blanks. And then, um, as I begin the fast see, I think we can conclude it this way. and um, I trust the Holy Spirit to teach me, to lead me, and empower me into focused prayer. And, and this is the beautiful thing about everything that you ha- happens in our Christian lives is that the Lord loves to give us an adventure and expand our sense of the connection each of us have with a purpose that goes beyond us. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the friends, uh, the, the opportunity that we have here as friends to explore your word and to realize anew that in so many ways, your, your calling in our lives gives each of us an opportunity to tap into prayer. So I pray that our prayer life may be enriched in this month of March. May we see anew what it is. Both to bring praises into the common experiences of our daily life, to bring prayer into moments where we need your grace and your help, and we ask you for insight. And then, as the Holy Spirit would guide us, Lord, to have a time of solitude set aside, to push distractions aside, to have a, a fast of some type that we offer unto you. And then, and in those times, may each person here be powerfully mightily enriched, and know what a blessing it is to share in this journey in the kingdom in Jesus' name. Lord, we also, as, uh, as our team comes to lead us in worship, we join, and I can hear the echo of every heart, to stand alongside Joe this week, that you would powerfully bless him in such a way that he would know that he's being lifted as wings, as, as on wings of eagles. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. Give him great comfort and strength in these days as we honor our beloved Sylvia and her life before you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Justin.